313-778-7600 is the call and number if you have a question or comment. Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Thursday, March 10th, 2022, and we are live. Okay, so um, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We're also celebrating the 12th year anniversary of me broadcasting the African History Network show. I first broadcasted March 10th. 2010. So we'll talk a little bit about that today. But big story today is uh, Jesse Smollett was sentenced to five months in Cook County Jail. He was sentenced to 30 months um, of felony probation. The first five months is going to be spent in the Cook County Jail. Uh, Judge James Lynn had it in for Jesse Smollett today. I watched it live. I was watching it on uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered. We share the broadcast live on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. You can go back and uh, watch it there. You can watch it on Roland Martin on Facebook and YouTube. Um, So the judge spent uh, about 40 minutes uh, admonishing uh, Jesse Smollett. And then he lowered the boom on him. And none of the legal experts that I heard thought that he would actually do jail time. It's not like he killed somebody. It's not like he uh, threatened to hang Mike Pence. He didn't beat up police officers or anything like that. So we're going to talk some about uh, what happened today. Washington Post has a good article. Actor Jesse Smollett sentenced to 150 days in jail. Actor Jesse Smollett sentenced to 150 days in jail, thousands in fines for falsely reporting a, a hate crime. Now, I said before, um, seemed like Jesse Smollett was lying when he to the hate crime. OK, it's like he staged it and, you know, orchestrated it, all of that. But still, that doesn't mean that he should do uh, 150 days in Cook County Jail. All right. If he gets if he gets 30 months probation, I understand that if if he has to pay the restitution, uh, he has to pay. Uh, he, he's fined twenty five thousand dollars. He also has to pay one hundred twenty six thousand dollars in restitution for wasting the Chicago Police Department's time and doing the investigation. And he kept lying and lying. He went on Good Morning America, lied some more. OK, that's all oh, that's understandable if you find him. 30 months probation. Okay. All right. But to, to, to sentence him to five months in jail. Now, yes, of course, this was a white judge who did this. And it, it, it seemed like he really had it in for Jesse Smollett. And I'm not really a Jesse Smollett fan, but I don't wish any harm on him. I'm not an M. I hated the show Empire. I thought it was one of the most, I thought it was one of the most um, stereotypical uh, shows. Uh, on TV and, and, and it would be on Fox on the Fox News Network, which was owned by Rupert Murdoch. I mean, it would be on the Fox TV Network, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch. And Rupert Murdoch also owns the Fox News Network. But still, this shouldn't, you know, he shouldn't be sentenced to five months in jail. I mean, it's not like he killed somebody. He ain't beat up anybody. He's the one that got beat up. It was a fake. I mean, you know, he paid two guys to beat his behind, you know, but it's like it's not like he beat somebody up. So we're going to talk about this. Um, break this down. Then the story, what was going to be our lead story today, then on Ryan Coogler, 
we'll talk about this as well. Uh, so Ryan Coogler, we found out, was uh, detained by police. This is back in January 2021 in the Atlanta area. He went to an Atlanta area uh, Bank of America to withdraw $12,000 out of his own bank account. And he, uh, on the back of the deposit slip, it appears, he uh, wrote on the deposit slip for the uh, bank teller to count the money discreetly because he didn't want to draw attention to himself that um, he didn't want to draw attention to himself that, uh, you know, he's getting $12,000 in cash, rightfully so. So uh, the bank teller gets scared and calls the police. The police show up. They, they put him in. They put Ron Kugler in handcuffs. They question because, you know, the dispatch call comes out and the police have to respond. The police get on the scene. They have to assess what's going on. So uh, he gets detained and they question him and, and, and they talk to the they go inside the bank and talk and find out it's a misunderstanding. But it's just stupid. It's just stupid. We'll, we'll talk about this. Now, Ron Kugler says that the whole incident has been rectified to his satisfaction. It happened back in June. It happened back in January, January 2022, I should say, not 2021. January 2022, it happened in January. Uh, we first found out about this from TMZ. TMZ um, got a hold of the police report. But it's just, it, it should not have happened in the first place, okay? So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, on today's show as well. And then also this is the uh, 12th anniversary of me broadcasting the African History Network show. Started um, March 10th, 2022. Of uh, March 10th, 2010, started March 10th, 2010, um, the African History Network show. And uh, started out on the uh, Harambe Radio Network. Then we went to uh, Blog Talk Radio Network. And uh, I still have the Blog Talk Radio account. We still upload our audio podcast to our Blog Talk Radio account. But I've been broadcasting here on 910 AM Superstation WFDF. It'll be six years in April of 2022, but uh, this is our 12th year, 12th year anniversary broadcasting the African History Network show. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation and Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. The African History Network show, we deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies to take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Thursday, March 10th, 2022. Uh, this is the 12th year anniversary of me broadcasting the African History Network show. So thanks for supporting us uh, for 12 years. Um, also, if you'd like to support the African History Network through... Um, uh, help keep us on the air. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. 
There's been also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the EHN show. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, etc. Be sure to register for the online courses I teach uh, as well on Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays is ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And on Sundays, it's uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. I teach um, Saturdays and Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We do all the sessions live. Uh, all, the ses- all the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. All right, we'll give you more information about that later. Okay, I want to jump into this uh, first story. We're going to clip number two. Either. I have to send you clip number one. Uh, we're going to clip number two here. So this is dealing with Jesse Smollett. Um, now, I-, I came to the conclusion months ago, Jesse Smollett was lying. He maintains his innocence. whole thing doesn't make sense, but still he shouldn't be sentenced to five months in Cook County Jail. Um, Washington Post has this piece here. Actor Jesse Smollett sentenced to 150 days in jail, thousands in fines for falsely reporting a hate crime, for falsely reporting a hate crime. You remember it was 2 a.m. in the morning. It was below zero out in uh, Chicago. I think it was below zero. And he's going to the subway and gets jumped by two guys. Just happened to be walking around with some bleach and a brand new noose. Okay. And he said they yelled, this is MAGA country and called them all types of um, racial slurs and homophobic names, things like this. But still, ain't like he killed somebody. He ain't beat anybody up. But that's not the way uh, Cook County Judge James Lynn saw it today. So actor Jesse Smollett was sentenced to uh, sentenced Thursday, March 10th to 150 days in county jail for staging and falsely reporting to police that uh, he was the victim of a hate crime in Chicago. The former Empire uh, uh, star, who's 39 years old, was found guilty on five of six charges of disorderly conduct in December 2021, nearly three years after the incident. Now, this is a uh, this is a uh, a level four felony. This is a very, very low level felony. OK. And if you actually saw. Uh, so, so, you know, Cook County Judge James Lynn and I, I was watching your Vito Wode show um, today making the case. And I know you did. I've been I've, uh, interviewed her before when I used to guest host uh, Roland March's nationally syndicated radio show. She's a brilliant attorney, also good legal analysis. She had two attorneys on um, uh, her panel today. Um, if you go back a, a, a couple, two, two or three weeks ago, when Judge Regina Chu sentenced Kimberly Potter, okay, for killing Dante Wright, the judge today, James Lynn, gave a thrashing to uh, Jesse Smollett. I mean, let's, let's put it like this. Judge Regina Chu was more sympathetic to Officer Kimberly Potter, who killed somebody, than, than Judge James Lynn was today to Jesse Smollett. I mean, just, if you, okay, if you just put, if you just put, like, uh, if you, if you put on a, on a bulletin board, 
and you had a, 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 a picture of Kimberly Potter and you had a picture of Jesse Smollett and then underneath it, you had the caption, okay? This person killed somebody. This person staged a hate crime. And then you said, okay, the response from this judge is to chastise them for 40 minutes. The response of this judge is to be almost tearful and say, put, your, put yourself in the shoes of the police officer that killed somebody, right? You would think Jesse Smollett was the one to kill somebody. I mean, just the way the judge carried on today. Let, let's go to clip number two. This is from NBC News now, uh, Shakita. Let's go to this clip. I'm sentencing you to 30 months felony probation, and the probation is going to be to this court. You're going to be allowed to travel wherever you want. You do not have to live in the state of Illinois. You can report by phone. I know that if you're going to try to make a living and do some of the things you do, you may have to go to uh, other places, New York and Los Angeles. You can do those things. You will pay restitution to the city of Chicago the amount of $120,106. You are fined $25,000, which is the maximum fine, and you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail, and that will start today, right here, right now. It's Shakita, Shakita, Shakita. Stop that, stop that. Is that the clip that says number two, or is that the clip that says number three? I want the clip that says number two. The clip that says number two is uh actor jesse smollett gets 150 days in jail clip number two from nbc news now okay while we cue that up cook county courtroom jesse smollett was remanded into custody he has been sentenced to 30 months probation which will include 150 days which he will have to spend behind bars here at the cook county jail he was just taken into custody he was screaming as he was escorted out of the courtroom i am not suicidal and continuing to proclaim his innocence he will also have to pay over hundred twenty thousand dollars in restitution he faces a twenty five thousand dollar fine and again he is now going to be spending the night as of now behind bars in a cook county jail we want to show you now what has unfolded over the last several hours here today Court session. in court today prosecutors sharing a letter from the city of chicago and its police department speaking to the damage smollett has done a cost that can never be measured it's a harm caused by reducing the likelihood of actual victims of hate crimes willing to report these crimes. The city also claiming Smollett's hopes cost police more than $130,000 in overtime to chase down a threat that didn't exist. Today's sentencing, the latest chapter of a bizarre years-long legal saga. In 2019, Smollett claimed two masked men hurled racial and homophobic slurs at him, threw chemicals at the Empire Star, and tied a noose around his neck. There were doubts the incident was legitimate, but he spoke out about the alleged attack. If I had said it was a Muslim or a Mexican or someone black, I feel like the doubters would have supported me a lot. Soon after Chicago police announced, Smollett staged the whole thing with two associates. Why would anyone, especially an African-American man, use the symbolism of a noose 
to make false accusations. His associate, the Osendairo brothers, testified against the actor, saying Smollett paid them to attack him outside his Chicago home. Smollett testified there was no hoax, but a jury convicted him. Smollett's defense submitted over 80 letters in support of leniency. Today, his older brother and 92-year-old grandmother speaking directly to the judge. Justice does not have malice or hatred toward anyone, and it is truly unfortunate that his reputation has received so many negative connotations. I ask you, the judge, not to send him to prison. If you do, send me along with him. And Jesse Kirch back with us live from Chicago. Jesse, you mentioned that there was an outburst from Smollett as he was led away. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so I want to read to you his final words as he was escorted out of the courtroom by uh, the justice officials. I am not suicidal. I am not suicidal. And I am innocent. I could have said that I was guilty a long time ago. And this is significant, Gabe, for multiple reasons. First off, earlier in the proceeding, Smollett was asked directly by the judge if he wanted to say anything. Smollett's legal team had said he was not going to make any comments uh, alluding to the possibility of an appeal. And Smollett declined to speak earlier. And also the judge as well as the prosecution, had been pointing out that because Smollett has been convicted, he essentially perjured himself when he testified in court, saying that there was no hoax. And again, Smollett's final words as he was escorted out of the courtroom, convicted and now sentenced to time behind bars, were that he was still innocent. Gabe? And Jesse, we're right, being told that we now right have there. part pause of that right outburst. Pause it right, pause it right there. Just back it up about 30 seconds or so. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, we'll be back in a few minutes. The Business Scaling Challenge is a seven-day online event that is taking place the week of March 13th through March 19th, 2022. This challenge will guide a group of business owners through scaling their businesses. Business owner Ronnie Sumler is hosting the Business Scaling Challenge in remembrance and honor of her father, the late civil rights activist Rodney Sumler. He helped a lot of African-American-owned businesses and local community leaders participate in politics. However, when he passed away, all of his ventures died with him. This inspired his daughter, Ronnie Sumler, to help community business owners preserve their businesses. Her business, Digital Dandelions, offers business Bibles to record business processes and procedures. Their business Bibles are their branded run-of-show business manuals that have everything you need to run your business in one place. Their business scaling kit is the first step in creating a business Bible. It includes everything needed to grow your business in one place. Join the Business Scaling Challenge Facebook group for more information and good luck in scaling your business. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, it's larger than the art world, and I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. 
The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me and she's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. 910, The Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the future radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Thursday, March 10th, 2022, and this is our 12th year anniversary. Uh, I first broadcasted the African History Network show on March 10th, 2010. So it's been 12 years. Thanks for all the support uh, and all the guests we've had. I've broadcasted over 1,000 episodes of the African History Network show. And we have those uh, episodes archived at our website. Uh, they're on Blog Talk Radio, our Blog Talk Radio page, actually. Uh, so you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash the AHN show, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the AHN show. Um, and oh, actually, it's the African History Network show on, on Blog Talk. Uh, but also at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, scroll down the page, you'll see the information for uh, the radio show. We're six days a week. And uh, click right here, listen to the podcast. It takes us to takes you to our Blog Talk radio page. All right, and we have uh, shows going back to 2010. Okay, uh, I want to go back to uh, this story here dealing with Jesse Smollett. And also the call-in number is 313-778-7600 if you have a question or comment. We'll talk some more about this on our Tuesday, on our on our Sunday show because I'm on for three hours on Sunday. You know we're here uh, Monday through Friday, uh, 11 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time, but uh, on Sundays we're on 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I've been here on 9 10 a.m. the Superstation for six years, and I've been doing the African History Network show in total for 12 years. All right, I want to go back to this clip, Shakita. Let's go. Uh, this is from NBC News now, talking about what happened in court today. Let's go back to this clip, please. Convicted, he essentially perjured himself when he testified in court, saying that there was no hoax. And again, Smollett's final words as he was escorted out of the courtroom, convicted and now sentenced to time behind bars, were that he was still innocent. Gabe? And Jesse, when being told that we now have part of that outburst, let's play it. moments ago the breaking news has there been any reaction from his family at this point 
Uh, we do expect to hear from his defense attorney outside of the courtroom. Now the proceedings are wrapping up, and you could, you could tell as we were watching things unfolding there in the courtroom, Gabe, that his defense team was trying to get the judge to allow that jail time to be suspended for the time being, uh, but Smollett was taken out of the courtroom by uh, those involved with the courts here. So we're going to look for more reaction from his family, but we know that his family, his supporters, have been pleading for leniency, pleading for the judge to not sentence him to any time behind bars, but the judge clearly took that into consideration as well as other factors and came up with, with what he decided was the proper sentence. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to clip three here in just a second, Shakita. So it, so it was crazy what happened in court today. Once again, um, whether you think he's guilty or not, whether you think he stays the hoax or, or not, it's not the point. And I think he did stay the hoax, by the way. Uh, I, I've talked about this before. But that doesn't fit the actual sentence. Him staging the hoax, and he's been convicted in court, so I can say it. I mean, it just makes sense if you actually just uh, add, add all this stuff up. Uh, you know, but the sentence does not fit the uh the crime sentence does not fit the crime at all so this seems like something personal that the judge had and then the other thing is and we'll, we'll get into this deeper on our on our sunday show and yodita wode talked about this uh on her panel today on the black news channel um on making the case with yodita wode uh you had the um, fraternal order police, the police union, you had them who were furious with Jesse Smollett. You had the police department, Chicago police department was furious because, uh, he kept saying he kept going with this hate crime allegation. He goes on good morning. America does an interview interview goes viral. So you have all this going on. And it seemed like this verdict, this sentencing, it seemed like this sentencing was payback to Jesse Smollett. Also, it's important to note that Kim Fox, the uh, Cook County uh, uh, attorney, Kim Fox had dropped the charges and Jesse Smollett was going to do community service. Okay, so then a special prosecutor was brought in. They bring charges against Jesse Smollett. Um, and, you know, this is just this is just crazy. So if we go look at the article here from uh, we're going to clip three in just a second, Shakita. If we look at the article here from uh, Washington Post, Cook County Judge James Lynn, white white male judge. You can listen to them. You can listen to him until he has some contempt for Jesse Smollett. Also, he also sentenced. Uh, Jesse Smollett to uh, 30 months of felony probation and ordered him to pay $120,106 in restitution to the city of Chicago, $120,106 in restitution to the city of Chicago, as well as a fine of $25,000. While on probation, Judge James Lynn 
uh, said Jesse Smollett will be allowed to travel outside of Illinois due to the nature of his job. Uh, Smollett, who declined to speak before receiving uh, his sentence, loudly repeated after the fact that he was not suicidal and warned that if anything happens to him in jail, it was not self-inflicted. Now, Cook County Jail has a reputation for being having a really um, dangerous conditions, tough conditions. And it appears that he wanted to get a message out to everybody that if he if he ends up uh, dead in jail and the report is, oh, he committed suicide. He's letting people know right now I'm not suicidal. If something happens to me, it's not self-inflicted. Now, he repeated he was not suicidal while walking out of the courtroom with his fist raised and maintain his innocence in the case, okay? He says something to the effect of uh, if he lie, if he's lying, that means he stuck his fist in the face of 400 years of oppression of African-Americans, things like this, right? Um, so you, I mean, this is, this, here's what happened. He concocted, a, he concocted a hate crime, it appears, to... Um, Try to get more money per episode for being for being on the Empire TV show because he was getting something like thirty thousand dollars per episode. He wanted more money, okay? So he concocts his hate crime. He brings in Trump supporters when he when he alleged that one of the assailants said, "This is MAGA country," referring to "Make America Great Again." This was during a period of time when Donald Trump was in office. So it, it, it enraged a lot of African-Americans. You had a hate crime. You had this alleged hate crime. You have it possibly being Trump supporters who did it. Okay. Is, is somebody, Jesse Smollett, who's on Empire. Then his celebrity friends come out in support of him, like uh, uh, Lee Daniels, who was executive producer of Empire, all this stuff. Okay. Praying on the emotions and sympathy and goodwill of many African-Americans. This is what happened. But all that being said, <laughs> 150 days in jail does not, I mean, this is a, a level four felony. This is a low level felony. He didn't, I mean, if he had shot somebody, well, okay. We got, he, he didn't shoot anybody. He didn't beat anybody up. If you want to pay restitution to the city uh, of Chicago, okay, that's understandable. But this right here, this is just vindictive. This is, I mean, to me, it reminds me of it, it reminds me of a high tech lynching. I'm not a, flan, a, a fan of Clarence Thomas, but this was like a high tech lynching we saw today. While delivering the sentence, Judge uh, Cook County Judge James Lynn noted that quote this case received as much attention and was gone over every little bit with the fine tooth comb as in as any case I've ever seen before, as any case I've ever seen before, end quote. He likened the number of pretrial motions filed to that scene with death penalty cases. We're going to continue this on the other side of the break. We're going to let you hear some more of what happened in court today uh, in Jesse Smollett's parting words. 
uh to the judge and to the world we'll talk about that and we'll talk about this strange case out of atlanta with uh ron cooley now a lot of strange things happen in atlanta i've been in atlanta many times this right here he gets he gets detained the police get called on ron coogler director of black panther wakanda forever and he's trying to withdraw twelve thousand dollars out of his own bank account and the police get called okay so this is at bank of america <laughs> you listen to the african history network show i'm michael m hotel we'll be back in a few minutes the Business Scaling Challenge is a seven-day online event that is taking place the week of March 13th through March 19th, 2022. This challenge will guide a group of business owners through scaling their businesses. Business owner Ronnie Sumler is hosting the Business Scaling Challenge in remembrance and honor of her father, the late civil rights activist Rodney Sumler. He helped a lot of African-American-owned businesses and local community leaders participate in politics. However, when he passed away, all of his ventures died with him. This inspired his daughter, Ronnie Sumler, to help community business owners preserve their businesses. Her business, Digital Dandelions, offers business Bibles to record business processes and procedures. Their business Bibles are their branded run-of-show business manuals that have everything you need to run your business in one place. Their business scaling kit is the first step in creating a business Bible. It includes everything needed to grow your business in one place. Join the Business Scaling Challenge Facebook group for more information and good luck in scaling your business. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on that today on the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Thursday, March 10th, 2022. This is our 12th year anniversary of me broadcasting the African History Network show. First broadcasted on March 10th. 2010 i was on the harambe radio network and we started out and i went to blog talk radio and kept doing thursday nights uh 8 p.m to 11 p.m eastern standard time thursday nights the african history network show then uh moved to the uh empowerment radio network dave anderson the empowerment radio network and warren ballantyne and bev smith from bt and rashad ritchie and we had professor griff on the network um for a while also then uh, Roland Martin came uh, to the network and I started guest hosting uh, for Roland Martin. And I, I was guest hosting for uh, I was guest hosting for Warren Ballantyne um, uh, for about three months. And then uh, Warren left the network and Roland Martin came on. And that's how I connected with Roland back in about 2015. And I started guest hosting for Roland's show numerous times. And then when Roland left the network, he went to the Perry Broadcasting System. I said, Roland, look. 
even though you left the network, I can still guest host from you. I have the equipment. I broadcast from from home, so I have the equipment here, so I can still broadcast. I can still guest host for you. So I kept doing that, and then uh, in 2016, I started uh, 9 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF with uh, Steve Hood, who passed away last year. My friend Steve Hood started out on his morning show, and then got my show in April of uh, 2016. And I've uh, been doing the uh, African History Network show here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. It'll be six years in April of this year and 12 years total going back to March 10th, 2010. So thanks for all the support. Appreciate that. Uh, let's go back to this clip here. Um, so I want to go to clip three, Shakita. So Jesse Smollett, um, he had some parting words for the uh for everybody today and for the judge let's go to clip three see what happened in court today i am innocent sentencing you to 30 months felony probation and the probation is going to be to this court you're going to be allowed to travel wherever you want you do not have to live in the state of illinois you can report by phone i know that if you're going to Try to make a living and do some of the things you do. You may have to go to uh, other places, New York and Los Angeles. You can do those things. You will pay restitution to the city of Chicago in the amount of $120,106. You are fined $25,000, which is the maximum fine. And you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. And that will start today, right here, right now. Mr. Smollett. So the jury found you guilty, and I sentence you as I have. You have the right to appeal the findings and rulings in court or ask your sentence to be modified. To do those things, you need to file a notice of appeal in writing within 30 days. You may also file a motion to modify your sentence, which you have to be filed in writing within 30 days. Anything not stated in those filings are waived for purposes of appeal. You cannot afford lawyers or transcripts. They would be provided for your charge. Do you have any questions? Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am So that happened in court. That was at the end there. So now on the time during the morning show, they used to have, they used to do what they call bits, right? They have skits, things like this, right? And they used to have what they call going with the bit. Going with the bit means you've been caught, but you still going to stick with the lie. You just gonna keep going with it. You just gonna go. You just gonna go with the bit. You just gonna play your role. Go with the bit. Okay. So, <laughs> a lot of people think that's what happened at the end. Yeah. Okay. You can say you're not suicidal. We, we believe you on that. But when you say, okay, if you lied, then that means you stuck your fist in the face in the fear of Black America for 400 years. All this stuff. Come look. Come on, man. All right. <laughs> you still going with the bit, 
Okay. All right. The jig is up. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk about this more on um, uh, Tuesday, on Sunday show. Hopefully they can get his sentence reduced. He should not go to, he should not go to jail at all for this. Uh, I mean, you know, he's doing five months in Cook County jail. Kim Potter is doing two years minus what? 60 days for killing Dante Wright. Uh, doesn't make sense, but something else that doesn't make sense is what happened with Ryan Coogler in Atlanta. I just sent you clip number uh, four, Shakita. Let's go to clip number four. Let's go to this quickly. This is what happened to Ryan Coogler. Okay, we'll get that queued up. So, um, Essence.com has this good article. We posted the article from Essence as African American owned and operated. Uh, also, this next uh, story has been online all day. A major Hollywood director handcuffed and mistaken for a bank robber, according to a police report. We're talking about Black Panther director Ryan Coogler. The filmmaker was questioned by police in Atlanta back in January after he tried to withdraw his money from a Bank of America. The report says bank employees thought the 35-year-old who was wearing a face mask and glasses was staging a robbery because he handed a note to a teller asking for at least $10,000 from his account. Here's a look at that police report. You see it highlighted. It says police, quote, determined that Mr. Cougar did pass a written, filled out withdrawal slip, withdrawal slip, with a note written on the back of the withdrawal slip to be discreet when handing him the cash. Our Blaine Alexander is joining us now from Atlanta. Blaine, this is a crazy story. The director confirmed the incident to Variety saying that this should the situation should never have happened. So how did all this unfold? Well, Seth, remember, all of this happened back in January. Of course, Kugler has been spending a lot of time in Atlanta recently. He's here filming the sequel to Black Panther, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And so all of this started, according to the police report, when he went into a Buckhead branch of uh, Bank of America with two people who were waiting in a black SUV in, in the parking lot for him to go inside. Now, according to the police report, essentially, like you said, he filled out the withdrawal slip, uh, asked for an amount higher than $10,000, and he handed it to the bank teller. But on the back, he had scribbled a note essentially saying, listen, please be discreet. Don't count the cash in, uh, in public because of the high amount. We also understand, according to our surveillance video, that he was wearing a COVID-19 mask. He was wearing sunglasses and a hat. Well, when the teller went to withdraw that amount, apparently it triggered some sort of alert on his account. This is according to the police report. And that made her notify uh, her, her supervisor essentially to say that there was a robbery in progress and they called 911. So. You know, Blaine, there's an alert that you can't take out that much money. And then there's trying to rob a bank. It seems to me there's a lot of room in between those things. Is that is that part of this discussion right now? You know, I think it is. You know, the police report goes on to say that when officers arrived, they went up to the two people who were in the SUV. They were like, hey, you know what? We're here with Ryan Coogler. He's a very big name Hollywood director, of course, uh, Oscar nominated uh, film uh, movie maker. They went inside. The two people in the SUV were never handcuffed. Coogler was, though. He was put in the handcuffs. He was escorted out of the building. At some point, according to the report, the officers realized the mistake. They apologized to him, explained what happened. But according to the report, he asked for all the officers' names, their badge numbers. Now, remember, this happened back in January, so certainly sometime between when we're all finding out about this and when the incident happened. All right, pa pause the right there. News, Ryan Coogler. Pause right there, Shakita. Okay, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, 
keep watching Facebook, uh, the African History Network on Facebook, the African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. We're going to go for a few more minutes and finish this out. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, you can support us, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App and through PayPal as well. I'll be on I'll be on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday, so watch me there, and uh, we'll talk to you Sunday. Right now, it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll count it forever. Talk to you next time. Peace. Okay, stand by. All right, let me cue this clip back up. Um, hold on. Let's go back to this story here. Uh, New York Times is a good uh, piece on this also. Let's uh, deal with Ryan Coogler. Let's look at the one from Essence. Uh, from Essence Magazine, uh, Ryan Coogler detained at Atlanta Bank after attempting to withdraw $12,000 from bank account. Okay, and let's go to this here. Saying, listen, please be discreet. Don't count the cash. In. And he handed it to the bank teller. But on the back, now, according to the police report, essentially, like you said, he filled out the withdrawal slip, uh, asked for an amount higher than $10,000, and he handed it to the bank teller. But on the back, he had scribbled a note essentially saying, listen, please be discreet. Don't count the cash in, uh, in public because of the high amount. We also understand, according to uh, surveillance video, that he was wearing a COVID-19 mask. He was wearing sunglasses and a hat. Well, when the teller went to withdraw that amount, apparently it triggered some sort of alert on his account. This is according to the police report. And that made her notify uh, her, her supervisor essentially to say that there was a robbery in progress and they called 911. Steph. You know, Blaine, there's an alert that you can't take out that much money. And then there's trying to rob a bank. It seems to me there's a lot of room in between those things. Is that is that part of this discussion right now? You know, I think it is. You know, the police report goes on to say that when officers arrived, they went up to the two people who were in the SUV. They were like, hey, you know what? We're here with Ryan Coogler. He's a very big name Hollywood director, of course, uh, Oscar nominated uh, film uh, movie maker. They went inside. The two people in the SUV were never handcuffed. Kugler was, though. He was put into handcuffs. He was escorted out of the building. At some point, according to the report, the officers realized the mistake. They apologized to him, explained what happened. But according to the report, he asked for all the officers' names, their badge numbers. Now, remember, this happened back in January, so certainly some time between when we're all finding out about this and when the incident happened. In a statement to NBC News, Ryan Kugler essentially said, yes, this is something that should have never happened, but Bank of America apologized. They rectified the situation to his satisfaction and essentially they've moved on. Bank of America was also apologetic, saying that this is something that should have never happened. So. Blaine, did, did Ryan Cooper himself say he believed in some way this was because of the color of his skin? He did not say that in the statement. You know, he was very, uh, he was very brief in what he said. He, he basically said that he... Uh, you know, it shouldn't have happened, but that they've moved on. I will say that according to the police report, uh, according to the officer who filled out the report, the teller herself was a black person, a black woman who filled out the police report. But as this is making its way on social media, of course, the comparisons can't help but be made uh, and questions about perhaps the motivation behind this and why something like this happened. But Kugler himself uh, did not make that reference. So.
All right. Thanks, Blaine Alexander, for walking us through it. We appreciate it. Okay. So great reporting there from uh, NBC News Now and Gwen Alexander, uh, who was there um, in the Atlanta area also. So crazy story. Uh, you know, if we look at this quickly here from um, Essence.com, uh, Essence is African-American owned and operated. Well, he's, he's African. Um, it's the same to me, but anyway, um, he's from um, Liberia. If I remember correctly, the brother that owns it is Liberian, but we're all African people. So I, I don't get caught up in all these distinctions. But so. anyway, <laughs> um, Ryan Coogler detained at Atlanta Bank after attempting to withdraw $12,000 from uh, his account. So he was trying to withdraw $12,000 from his own bank account. All right. And. You know, when so I had to go through and look at some details in this, you know, before I started talking about this. A misunderstanding at an Atlanta bank branch found the director and two of his associates in, well, apparently, according to Gwen Alexander, the other two weren't handcuffed. He was handcuffed. So Ryan Cooper was placed in handcuffs earlier this year in January 2021 after what should have been an innocuous trip to his local bank bank branch. Now, TMZ was the, uh, I think they were the first ones to break this story. TMZ uh, obtained a police report detailing a January, 2022 incident in which, um, in which black Panther and Creed franchise director, Ryan Coogler was mistaken for a bank robber. Uh, Coogler stopped by an Atlanta area bank branch wearing dark shades and a face mask. When it was his turn, he handed the teller his withdrawal slip with a note of additional instructions written on the back, with a note of additional instructions written on the back. When, it, uh, okay, he said, I, the note said, I would like to withdraw $12,000 cash from my checking account please do the money count somewhere else i'd like to be discreet now he also gave the teller his driver's license and his bank debit card as well which has his name on it okay so it's not like he just gave the note it's not, it's not like he just gave the withdrawal slip with a message written on the back he gave his driver's license and he gave his uh, uh, bank debit card. In the, I listened to the, um, I, I listened to the audio of the uh, call that the the bank employee made to the police. Okay, and she's talking to the dispatcher. In that call, the bank employee said she did not look at the name that was on the driver's license. She said he, he gave her ID, gave her his ID and gave his bank debit card. But she said she did not look at the name that was on the um, the driver's license, which, you know, just being that I've never worked at a bank before, but I've managed retail establishments before. I worked in retail and you go through a verification process and I've, you know, I've um 
uh, managing other companies. We had good relationships with banks, actually Bank of America for that matter, Bank of America in downtown Detroit. Um, there's a, a verification process. You, you look at the driver's license, you look at the name, you look at the picture, you match them up. Now he had on uh, a COVID-19 mask. This was in January. Okay. Makes sense. He has on a COVID-19 mask. So you ask the person, uh, especially for that amount of money, you look at the driver's license, you ask them, uh, could you uh, take down your mask for a minute so I can just uh, verify the picture, things like this. Also, they want you to take down the mask so the camera can get a good picture of you as well with cameras recording. And in a lot of banks, like I, I remember, um, what is that? Was that National? National Bank? They would have signs inside on the counter that told you to remove sunglasses, remove hats, things like this. So the camera could like actually record you and record, get a good picture of your face when it records. So if she went through that verification, that's understandable. But um, now I don't know how long, I don't know how long the bank employee has been on the job. I don't know if she was still in training. I don't know if she had ever been through a bank robbery in the past, what have you, but there's just basic uh, verification, basic steps in verification that it appears that she did not do. One simple thing is looking at the name that's on the driver's license that was given to her. Okay, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense at all. So I, I wanna go to this clip here quickly. This is the, um, you're going to hear, you're going to hear the conversation outside of the bank between Ryan Coogler and the officers. You're going to hear some of what happened here. Okay. So they have them in the, they have them in the, he's sitting in the car, halfway in the car. They have the door open. The, the police, from, from everything that I saw, the police, you know, handled this pretty well. They were cool. They're trying to assess what's going on. They get a dispatch, they get a call, so they have to respond to the call. When they get there, they're trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? Okay, we got to, uh, so let, let, let me, I want you to hear what happened. Could the officer explain what's going on while we're out here? Not really, man. All right, so we got a yeah, call, I, basically. I, I, I heard somebody asked me about passing low. Yeah. That's probably been one of these doors. So, so ba basically, we got a call, and... Uh, from what we got the call, it seemed like someone was trying to rob the bank. Uh, something about you passing a note to the teller, something to that effect. Uh, can you just tell me what's going on? Or? Yeah, bro. It's a, it's, a, it's a medical assistant that works on my house and requires me to pay cash. Every time I make a withdrawal to pay her, you know, because it's a, a large amount, she works a lot. Yeah. You know, if I if I don't if I don't write down a note. How much I went out, and then I don't want it ran through the money counter right there at the desk. The whole bank ends up looking at it. They just ran right through the money the account. Okay, so this the. Okay, so what what he's saying is he has his mask on when he's talking. Okay, he's out in he's out in the car, halfway in the car. He's explaining because he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, why the, why are the police hear things like this? Police are trying to figure out what's going on. So he he tells them. He has a, a medical assistant at his house 
and he he's going he's going to pay the medical assistant and he wants the he wants the bank teller to count the money discreetly not put the money through the it's twelve thousand dollars so not put the money through the uh through through the bank counter because then you know people around customers around to see it he's walking out with twelve thousand dollars in cash so he don't he doesn't want to draw attention to himself okay I'm like, so this is the difference between like somebody that, that I don't know how much, I don't know his network, but this is the difference between somebody who, uh, like has wealth and like people like rappers money that want to draw all this attention to themselves. He doesn't want to draw attention to himself. Okay. He doesn't want to deal with any of that. That's the, I don't know his network, but that's, you know, people that have like some some real money they don't want to draw attention to themselves okay so this is him sitting and he's trying to figure out what's going on and he's like look <laughs> he's like, so so the bank the bank teller so the police are trying to figure this out also okay and they're explaining it to him after they figure look <laughs> he's trying to withdraw money from his own bank account okay <laughs> they let him go he gets there he gets their uh, badge numbers, which he has a right to do. Um, and he released a statement later after this became public. He released a statement saying that uh, the whole incident has been rectified to his satisfaction. So he, he he's not saying anything else about this. I, I want to go back to this so you can hear what happened between the police and, and Ryan Coogler. Hold on, right down on the note, how much I went out. And then I go in and ran from the money counter right there at the desk. The whole bank ends up looking at me. They just ran, what are you going to do with the money? Good come. Okay, so here's the thing. The teller, she started to freak out on me. So she didn't even match that account with his ID that she gave him. So I need to double check to see if that's even the account, his account. You see what I'm saying? Because if that is his account, what is he doing that wrong? So here's a black police officer outside. He said, he said the teller didn't even match up his, his uh, name on the ID with the account. Let me go back to the account. Right down on the note, I ran from the money counter right there at the desk. The whole bank ends up looking at me. They just ran, what are you Okay, so here's the thing. The teller, she started to freak out on me. So she didn't even match that account with his ID that she gave him. So I need to double check to see if that's even the account, his account. You see what I'm saying? Because if that is his account, what is he doing that wrong? You see what I'm saying? It's the note. Beside the note. Exactly. Beside the note. So, you get my own notes. Just, uh, I, I wasn't getting you guys out of handcuffs. Um, so they let them go. I, 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 I stated to the officers that arrested me that had that had their glocks out. Yeah. That I was pulling money on my own account. I understand. I, I put the I put my own bank card in there before they let you in the back. You know what I'm saying? So, so and, 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 we, we have to confirm that. You gotta understand. We can't. We don't come out because of the seriousness of the call. We don't just come out. And unfortunately, in a situation like that, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. We detain and then we ask questions later. Um, that's what exactly what I went inside for. Okay, so so there's a statement here from, uh, and I think it's in the article also, 
Bank of America said this situation, let me see, let me pull this up here. So Bank of America has a, has a statement here. Um, Uh, this situation, let me see if we can blow this up. This situation should never have happened. <laughs> you got that right. However, Bank of America worked with me. Now, this is this is Ron Kugler who put this statement out. This situation should have never happened. However, Bank of America worked with me and addressed it to my satisfaction, and we have moved on, Ron Kugler said in the statement. All right, but this is just... Uh, this is just crazy. I mean, you know, and I don't know what type of training they have at Bank of America, but <laughs> it's like, okay, if somebody black wants to withdraw $12,000 from their bank account, okay, don't freak out. <laughs> All right. If, if, a, if a black man wearing a sweatshirt and sunglasses and a COVID-19 mask wants to withdraw $12,000, okay, j- j- don't don't freak out. All right. So luckily, luckily, a, a police officer who showed up when wasn't an officer like Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis. Luckily, you had you had level headed police officers who were trying to figure out what's going on that showed up. OK, uh, luckily, you didn't have police officers like Derek Chauvin that showed up. Or Kimberly Potter. Okay, uh, <laughs> who killed Dante Wright? So let me go back to this from Essence. Um, let's see here. Let's do it like this. Let's pull this one up from Essence here. So we have this open up in this second screen. Okay, though the transaction was perfectly legal, the teller. The teller detailed in the report as a then pregnant black woman, okay, as a then pregnant black woman received some sort of alert on her screen when attempting the transaction. She made an assumption that something strange was going on, presumably due in part to Ron Kugler's covered up appearance and his handing her a handwritten note. She reported the incident and the police were contacted in relation to a possible bank robbery in progress. Okay. When cops arrived, they immediately detained two of Kugler's associates who were waiting for him in the black SUV parked in the parking lot. Kugler herself was detained. Okay. Fortunately, after investigating the incident, police found that no illegal activity had taken place and that a mistake had been made on the bank's behalf, a mistake have been made on the bank's behalf. You think? Ryan Kugler has been in Atlanta for several months completing principal photography for Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. I'll be at the premiere. Okay, I forgot the exact date. I, I've, I've seen some dates of it. Uh, but I, oh, I'm, I'm, I'll be at the premiere uh, here in Detroit. I'm going to see that. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Black Panther 2. Now, it is of note that Atlanta has experienced a spike, uh, a severe spike in violent crime over the last year, which very well may have triggered Ryan Kugler's desire for discretion during his transaction. Once again, 
It's like the people that want you to think they have money really don't have money. They're the ones that are trying to draw attention to themselves. Brian Cooper did not want to draw any attention to himself with drawing $12,000 in cash. For their part, Bank of America has made things right with Ryan Coogler after this unfortunate incident. A representative for Bank of America shared a statement with Variety magazine, quote, we deeply regret that this incident occurred. It never should have happened. And we have apologized to Mr. Coogler. Ryan Coogler shared his own statement. Uh, uh, Ryan Coogler shared his own statement, his, his own separate statement to TMZ. Um, the situation that uh, this situation should have never happened. However, Bank of America worked with me and addressed it to my satisfaction and we have moved on. Okay. So, uh, hopefully, you know, the, uh, the pregnant, uh, teller, uh, hopefully they'll get us some more training or something. Um, cause that's not how you handle that. You know, this, there's a process you go through to verify, and, uh, <laughs> you know, so, all right. Okay. Uh, everybody share this broadcasting and social media platforms. Uh, also, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. And we have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, you can still register for the online class I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. On Saturdays is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. All right. And uh, I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, uh, video clips, and we take you throughout history. We deal with, uh, uh, we look at archaeological discoveries as well, uh, 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 recent archaeological discoveries that have taken place in the past, um, it, it, within about the past 10, 15 years or so. And we go throughout history to understand what happened uh, to us. We look at ancient Africa, the Nile Valley region of Africa, uh, ancient Kemet. Uh, Ta-Nehisi, Nubia, Abyssinia, uh, Ethiopia. We look at uh, Ghana, Songhai, Mali. We look at uh, Great Zimbabwe, Carthage, things like this. We look at the African presence dating back at least 51,700 years ago in the, the land we call the United States of America in Allendale County, South Carolina, Dr. Albert, Dr. David M. Hotep's book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence, deals with a lot of this. And then we go through our history. We look at the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. Uh, we look at different African civilizations. We look at uh, uh, in different uh, African nations, African tribes. Uh, we look at the Khoisan, who have the oldest DNA on the planet. They were here in this land we call the United States of America. Uh, they were in Allendale County, South Carolina. They were all throughout that area. And this is the evidence that Dr. Albert Goodyear found in his discovery in 2004. Now, this article from ScienceDaily.com from November 18, 2004, lays this out. 
Uh, here's a summary of the article. The name of the article was called New Evidence Puts Man in North America 50,000 Years Ago from November 18, 2004. Radiocarbon tests of carbonized plant remains where artifacts were unearthed last May along the Savannah River in Allendale County, uh, South Carolina by University of South Carolina uh, Professor Albert Goodyear indicate that the sediments uh, could, that that indicate that the sediments containing these artifacts are at least 50,000 years old, meaning that humans inhabited North America long before the last ice age. Humans inhabited North America long before the last ice age. Now, when I say this, now this is before Native Americans come into existence. And I have to say this with a caveat because um, a lot of times, many African-Americans get confused. This does not mean slavery did not take place. Okay, it just means that we were in this land for tens of thousands of years before slavery happened. This is why we have to understand the chronology of history. And we deal with, we look at numerous archaeological uh, uh, evidence, nu numerous archaeological discoveries that have happened um, in the past going back the past 15 years or so. And we, we see discoveries here in this land that pushed the Clovis culture um, theory that the, the uh, in New Mexico, the Clovis culture theory that uh, the earliest known evidence of Homo sapiens in this land is about 15,000 years ago. No, we were here long before that. And this is why when we do, when we have a uh, black history month, African-American history month, we have to deal with history prior to 1619, even in this land. Now, when we look at the Khoisan an October, 2012 genetic study published in science magazine found that the Khoisan in Southern Africa are the oldest ethnic group of modern humans with their ancestral line originating about 100,000 years ago. The Khoisan, formerly called by the derogatory term Bushmen, are genetically unique and no other currently known population had generated so early, had, had separated so early from our common modern human ancestor, according to the report. The Khoisan live in mainly Southern Africa in territory spanning Botswana, Namibia, Angola, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. They are largely divided into two groups, hunters and gatherers, hunters, hunters and gatherers, the San, the San's people, and keepers of livestock, the Khoikhoi. The Khoisan language Languages, the Khoisan languages include the distinctive click sounds that are not found in the languages of their neighbors. Now, one of the things we look at in the class, uh, even before we get to the transatlantic slave trade, we look at different archaeological discoveries that are causing the scientists to push, uh, push the timelines back and understand that all this, uh, you know, all these civilizations, things like this, many of them are much older than we thought. But we also look at the film uh, Black Panther, okay? Because the film Black Panther, we look at different elements of the film Black Panther. The film Black Panther ties into African history.
and I've done numerous lectures dealing with the film Black Panther. There's a um, there's a I, I read uh, over a hundred articles dealing with the film Black Panther in the comic book in preparation for my lectures. I have one lecture that's about a three hour presentation dealing with the film of Black Panther analysis, African history, culture, and Afrofuturism. And there are 11 different African cultures that we see represented in the film Black Panther. Ruth Carter, the costume designer, spent six months studying uh, African cultures, and she infused all this into the film, okay? But when we look at, one of the things we do is we look at different Netaru, different deities coming out of ancient Kemet. Um, the panther deity uh, Bast, the panther deity Bast, who watches over the uh, people of Wakanda, that comes from Bastet, who was actually a deity in ancient Kemet, a netter, netter for singular, netteru for plural. Bastet was an ancient Egyptian goddess worshiped in the form of a lioness and later a cat, goddess of warfare in lower Egypt or Kemet, Kemet meaning the land of the blacks, one of the original names for Egypt, worshiped worship as early as the second dynasty, about 2890 BCE before the common era. When we look at the uh, religions of Wakanda, okay, we see that the religion of the Wakandan people first developed during the pilgrimage to the land in their conflict with what were known as the originators, the gods of Wakanda formed from the heroes of humans within the tribe. Ascending to the status of a god or deity, these heroes became known as the Orisha. And we know the Orisha is the name of the deities uh, in Ifa, which is the spiritual system of the Yoruba of Nigeria, the Orisha. Taking the names Koku, Thoth, Bast, Mujaji, Pata, and Niami. We know Thoth and, and Bast and Pata come straight out of ancient Kemet. The Orishas' origins date back to the ancient Egyptian beings known as the Indian. Now, this is straight out the Black Panther comic book. And I and I had to read a book that dealt with the 52 year history of the Black Panther comic book to like to before I even started doing my lectures on Black Panther to really understand this because some of the you know characters and themes and storylines etc from the comic book we see represented in the film but we see variations because in the in the comic book Killmonger is 100% Wakandan whereas in the film he's half Wakandan half African American that wasn't the case in the comic book. He's 100% Wakandan in the, in the comic book. And Wakanda is made up of a group of, it's a nation made up of 18 different tribes. So it's not like everybody's a member of the Panther tribe, because you saw at the beginning of the film, we saw uh, T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman, who is fighting with uh, M'Baku of the Jabari tribe. And M'Baku is challenging uh, uh, T'Challa, to sit on the throne of Wakanda. And where they have the ritual combat is called Warrior Falls. Okay, Warrior Falls, that's the waterfall. That's where they have the, the ritual combat in Wakanda to see who is going to sit on the throne. That comes straight off the Black Panther comic book. 
Warrior Falls, okay? So I had to research all this to be able to do my lectures on Black Panther. So we deal with some of this in the class because this ties into African history and culture. So when we look at, uh, for instance, in addition to the development of these deities, the people of Wakanda became segmented into various cults that worship various animal deities, animal gods of the area. And you see this represented in ancient Kemet where you see different deities that take on the qualities or powers of animals because they saw animals as part of nature. And they understood that these various animals possessed gifts that were given to them by God. So they appreciated the gifts that God gave those animals. So you may see uh, Heru has the head of a falcon and a falcon has keen eyesight. So they're appreciating the gift that the creator gave the animal. They're not worshiping a falcon, so to speak, or when you see, like when you see the uh, judgment scene and um, coming out of uh, uh, mythology, uh, coming come out of spiritual systems in ancient Kemet, when you die, your heart is weighed against the feather of a woman, against the feather of Ma'at. And, okay, this is the short, this is the short one. We get the long version with uh, a, a sar sitting on the throne of judgment. So Ma'at is the personification of truth, justice, righteousness, balance, harmony, order, and reciprocity. Ma'at was depicted uh, as a woman, as a winged deity, okay? And the uh, 42 admonitions of Ma'at or 42 laws of Ma'at are, are a precursor to the Ten Commandments. But Ma'at is the uh, personification of truth, justice, righteousness, balance, harmony, order, and reciprocity. And when you die, your heart was weighed on the scales of Ma'at and your heart was weighed against a fe the feather of Ma'at. So your heart is weighed against the essence of a woman, the feather of Ma'at. So if you lived your life correctly based upon the 42, 42 negative confessions or 42 admonitions of Ma'at, okay, your heart would be lighter than a feather and you would go into the afterlife. And when you look at the depiction here, you see, and we can go to the widescreen one with the, the, the wider shot with Asar sitting on the throne of judgment over to the right. But you see in the middle of the scales of Ma'at, and you see the jackal-headed deity uh and Pooh, or who the Greeks called Anubis, and the jackal is, is a canine, the jackal has has a keen sense of discernment so we know canines uh have uh heightened senses of taste and heightened senses of smell much more keen than uh humans so it's and Pooh who does the uh very delicate work the precision of balancing the scales because it requires judgment, discernment, a keen sense of discernment, which is something that the jackal has, which is a gift given by the creator. So they incorporate into the deities 
nature because they see that's a representation of the creator and they appreciate the gifts that God gave to the animals. They're not worshiping a dog. They appreciate the gift that God gave the dog or the jackal. So this is part of African culture. We see this and 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 then now take it to another step. When you look at Yeshua or who um, in English they call Jesus because the letter J didn't exist until 1630 AD. I may say some things that are outside the circumference of your own awareness. We just, just because you disagree with them or don't like them does not mean they're not true. It just means you have to do some research to understand what I'm talking about. Um, you, some pictures or paintings, paintings, cause they didn't have photographs back then. Some paintings or depictions you see of Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus has a dove over his head. And then you deal with, uh, Osset, who gave birth to Heru. On December 25th of a virgin birth, virgin birth. And Heru was known as the Karest. And from Karest, you get the Greek Christos. From that, you get Christ. Christ is a title, not a name, referring to anointed or anointed one. And Karest means rising of the spirit, calm meaning spirit, rest meaning to rise. We see a retelling of these various concepts and ancient stories over thousands of years adapted to various people's cultures with their ethnicity and their names on it, things like this and their cultural, it goes through their cultural paradigm. So we go throughout history and look at everything from, uh, we, we look, we look at a timeline of history and we look at everything from St. Nicholas, Bishop Nicholas, who was African, a lot of, a lot of your early, Christian saints were African saints or, or, or Africans, then Canaanized saints. Um, and then you get from uh, Bishop Nicholas, you get center class. Center class in, in Dutch means St. Nicholas. And center class had a sidekick named Joie de Piet, Black Pete. And that that's that's in reference to the Moors and the Moors being conquered, the African Moors being conquered. And there's a there's a parade that takes place There's a celebration that takes place throughout the Netherlands uh, in November up until December 5th. Which is celebrating uh, Black Pete and the return of Black Pete throughout the Piet in, 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 in uh, center class from center class who wore red and white. He was a religious figure from center class. You get the secular figure of Santa Claus wearing red and white. And the, the concept of um, the jolly fellow Santa Claus, the concept that our first concept really of the fat jolly fellow Santa Claus and red and white outfit, things like this. That comes from uh, the cartoonist Thomas Nast, N-A-S-T, Thomas Nast. But we, we go throughout history and we, and we um, look at um, uh, the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. 
Um, we look at uh, different civilizations, whether we talk about uh, ancient Nubia, uh, Ta-Nehisi, whether we deal with uh, Carthage, uh, Great Zimbabwe, uh, Carthage. We deal with uh, um, Hannibal Barca in the in the Battle of Cana, 216 uh, BC. We look at the Punic Wars. Okay, go throughout history. We deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors and how the Moors are taking the teachings from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt into Europe. And this is going to bring Europe out of the Dark Ages. We look at uh, Tariq Ibn Ziyad, 711 AD. Tariq um, goes from Morocco into the Iberian Peninsula, today known as Spain and Portugal. And where he lands is a rock uh, promontory uh, that they call Jebel Tariq, Jebel Tariq or Tariq's Mountain. You know it as Gibraltar or the Rock of Gibraltar, named after African man, African uh, man, Tariq Ibn Ziyad. And then we, we look at Christopher Columbus and um, how Columbus helps lay the foundation for slavery and racism, capitalism, the exploitation of indigenous people, things like this. Columbus really helps the um, transatlantic slave trade to spread. And Columbus set sail August 3rd, 1492 on the Nina and the Penta and the Santa Maria. And that's late in the same year that the Moors lose control of, of their last stronghold in uh, Europe, which is uh, Granada. We look at things like this here, the national flags of Corsica and Sardinia, uh, Corsica, a French island in the Mediterranean and Sardinia um, an Italian island in the Mediterranean, and they have African Moors heads on their national flags because the Moors were in those areas and it took a monumental effort to conquer those, to conquer those Moors. Originally, now you see them wearing a bandana. So if you see the Hidden Colors documentaries on the cover of Hidden Colors, the logo is the African Moors head and you see the bandana. This is where that comes from. These, these, it comes from these national flags. So, and then you see them with the hoop earrings also, especially the, the one here from Corsica. And when you when you study the uh, celebration of Joie de Piet in the Netherlands, you see that they have the, uh, they, 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 they show them um, wearing uh, Afro wigs and uh, gold hoop earrings also. Look at this one here. Probably can't, you can't see it here, but when you study Joie de Piet, you'll see this. You'll see that they are uh, wearing the gold hoop earrings also, okay? And they're imitating the Moors. Here's a, a depiction of them. And they're on a steamboat. They're on the boat. And according to the Joie de Piet was introduced in the children's uh, book in 1850. And according to the mythology, he comes from Spain to the Netherlands in November. And they have this these parades and things like this in the celebration up until December 5th. So why why do they have the why do they have the black Moors Joaquin Piet coming from Spain? Because that's where the Moors go into Europe, Spain and Portugal, the Iberian Peninsula. 
And you see these Europeans here wearing blackface, Afro wigs, things like this red lipstick. So each year there's a, a bigger effort that there's more and more protests against uh, these celebrations because because they're dehumanizing African people, uh, making fun of the Moors, they're racist. All right. So we look at the Black Death, bubonic plague. Europe loses between a quarter to a third of the population from 1347 to 1400. We look at the three great West African kingdoms of Ghana, Shanghai, Ghana, Shanghai, and Mali. These are some actual slides from the class. There are over 200 slides that I put all these slides together, by the way, myself. Um, so over 200 slides we're using the class. It's, it's over 50 articles. We have book references. You don't, have to, you don't have to buy any of these books to follow along in class. We deal with Columbus and uh, where Columbus went on his four voyages. Contrary to popular belief, Christopher Columbus never came to the land that we call the United States of America. The closest he came here was Cuba, which is 90 miles away. Um, it was 216 B.C., the Battle of Canaan, Matthew. Um, so Columbus never came to the land that we call the United States of America. The closest he came here was Cuba, which is 90 miles away. But Columbus is also going to lead to um, the Asiento. Uh, Columbus and his four voyages and then Bartolomeu de las Casas, uh, the Bishop Bartolomeu de las Casas traveling along with Columbus on his four voyages and uh, Columbus uh, and de las Casas petition, petitioning the Pope to um, only enslave African people. He said that the Native Americans had suffered enough and they were trying to save the Native American souls. They were being decimated. Uh, Bartolome de las Casas estimates that Columbus was responsible for the murder of 12 million and 25 million indigenous people. Why on earth you have people that still want to celebrate Christopher Columbus? I have no idea. You might as well celebrate Adolf Hitler if you celebrate Christopher Columbus. I'm just saying. No, he did not. He didn't discover a damn thing. There was there was already Africans and Native Americans where, where he was. Okay, he helps later. He helps to lay the foundation for slavery, racism, capitalism, and the exploitation of indigenous people. I mean, if you if you if you celebrate Columbus, I I have to question like, okay, what is it that you're celebrating? You. I mean, have you have you actually have you studied the history? Have you even read the books that Bartolome de las Casas wrote? Because de las Casas kept a diary. He traveled with Columbus on some of Columbus's voyages. He kept a diary of what happened and the atrocities inflicted upon the indigenous people. He wrote at least two books that I know of because I read his books back in college. The, the Tears of the Indians and there's another book by Bartolome de las Casas. Why on earth do you want to celebrate something like that? I don't I don't understand that. But oftentimes Europeans honor mass murderers. Same thing with the history of St. Patrick. Patrick, the, the British slave Patrick, um, who uh became a bishop that um and it was canonized as a saint, that he was a mass murderer. He 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 killed thousands of Druids in Ireland. He was a mass murderer also. He said, why are people celebrating St. Patrick's? I'm, just, I'm like, see, first thing, 
first thing we should do before we celebrate any of these European holidays is read African People and European Holidays and Mental Genocide by Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango. Or or you can just go to you can just go to history.com. You can read some of the history of these holidays, things like this. I've studied the history of all the holidays. That's why I don't celebrate any of them. Okay. You know, Mother's Day and Father's Day is 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 cool. I understand that. But Christmas, Valentine's Day, Fourth of July, Thanksgiving, things like this. It's it's okay to, to get together with family on those holidays, people off work and things. I, I understand that. But we need to study the history behind these holidays that we've been taught to celebrate. So if you do choose to celebrate them, at least you know the history of what it is that you're celebrating. At least you know the history of what it is that you're celebrating. And it will probably influence or cause you to change how you celebrate it, how you participate in it. For most of the stuff, we really never taught the history behind these different holidays. We were just, our parents taught us, the grandparents taught us, celebrated, we taught in school, things like this. Most of them didn't know the history behind it. Most of them were never taught the history behind it. So at least we should study the history behind these holidays that we have been taught to celebrate. So if you choose to continue to celebrate it, one, you know what it is you're participating in. One, two, you know, because you know, your thoughts create feelings, your feelings create actions and behaviors, your actions and behaviors create results. It'll probably change the level or how you participate in that holiday if you decide to keep celebrating it. This is why you see me post when um, St. Patrick's Day comes around. If you wear green on St. Patrick's Day, will you wear red, black, and green on African Liberation Day? May 25th. If you wear green on St. Patrick's Day, will you wear red, black, and green on African Liberation Day? Because I see African Americans wear green on St. Patrick's Day. They, they can't tell you like who Patrick was besides okay, he was a saint. They really don't know about the history behind St. Patrick's Day. What did he did? Oh, he drove the snakes out of Ireland. There's no evidence snakes were ever in Ireland because snake because Ireland is a island. Ireland is an island in a cold climate, and snakes need snakes live in warmer climates. There's no evidence there were ever snakes in Ireland back in fifth century A.D. Common Era. Okay, so. These are some of the things we do, and we go throughout thousands of years of history. We try to go through this history chronologically as much as possible. Um, some of the timeline of history we look at, you know, 419, Prince Henry, the navigator of Portugal, begins sending expeditions to explore the West African coast. In 1444, Portugal starts to uh, buy African slaves from uh, the, the, from West Africa and establishes the first leg of the Triangle of Trade, 1452, Dom de Versus, uh, the Doctrine of Discovery, 1455, Papal Bull, uh, the Pope uh, addresses uh, Spain and Portugal and tells them to stop fighting amongst the 
stop fighting amongst yourselves. I order you to reduce the servitude all infidel people. 1482, Christopher Columbus is involved in the African slave trade. This is 10 years before he set sail on the Nina Independent of Santa Maria. We know the Moors lose control of Granada, January 2nd, 1492. Uh, 1452, uh, Pope uh, Nicholas V issued a papal bull entitled Dumb Diverses, which authorized Alfonso V of Portugal to conquer the Saracens, the, the Muslims and pagans in a disputed territory in Africa and consigned them to perpetual servitude. This is the Doctrine of Discovery 1452. It has been argued that this and the subsequent uh, papal bull of uh, Romanus Pontif uh, Pontifex uh, issued by uh, Pope Nicholas V in 1455, Common Era AD, gave the Portuguese the rights to acquire African slaves along the African coast by force or trade. The edicts are thus seen as having facilitated the Portuguese slave trade from West Africa and as having legitimatized the European colonization of the African continent. Because the Portuguese are the first ones involved in the transatlantic slave trade, right about 1441, 1444. The Spanish are right behind them. Okay. What is a papal bull? A papal bull is a, in Roman Catholicism is an official papal letter or document, a papal letter or document. The name is derived from the lead seal, bulla, B-U-L-L-A, traditionally affixed to such documents. Since the 12th century common era A.D., it has designated a letter from the Pope carrying a bulla that shows the heads of the apostles Peter and Paul on one side and the Pope's signature on the other. Okay, the papal bull. Okay, so this is just a brief sample of the type of information that we deal with in this class. Um, the yeah, we're on live, Leonard. Uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in schools. Now, I've been teaching this class on and off since 2017. It's grown by leaps and bounds since I first taught it. This is a 10-week online course. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. So I teach this on Saturdays, uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you can, uh, we'll post a link here. Uh, you can register for this class at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. I'll post a link here again also so you can register for it. As soon as you register, you can watch last week's class. There's, um, uh, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime. And we have a bundle pack where you can register for both classes. Uh, the one on Sunday, the one on Saturday, and the one on Sunday. Uh, you can register for both classes for only $100, okay? We have people listening across the country, Leonardton, Phoenix, from the uh, from Detroit, all right? On, on Sundays, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. So this second class basically picks up where the first class leaves off. You can watch them in any order. Um, you can take them in any order. But I have so much information um, for the second, for, for history from like, say, 1803 to 1968. I have so much information. And it's such a critical period of history we need to go through and really 
analyze it more in depth. So I had to create this second class in each class you go through and analyze about a 10, 15, 20 year period of history to better understand what happened to us after slavery ended and understand what led to the civil war taking place. So we started in 1803 with the Louisiana Purchase and we deal with the Haitian Revolution, which is connected to Louisiana Purchase. It helps, uh, it's one of the causes of the Louisiana Purchase of 1803 and France sells 828,000 square miles of land for less than three cents an acre land that they have here in the U.S. They sell that to um, uh, the, the United States for about $15 million. So that class is 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. also. As soon as you register, you can watch the classes we did uh, last weekend. And we have a bundle pack where you can uh, register for both classes for uh, $100. And the classes are regularly $130 each. Okay. We have a bundle pack. You get both. You can register for both classes for $100. Even after the 10-week online course is over with, you still have access to the full course. You can go back and watch everything. Okay as much as you want to. So a year from now, you can go back and watch the entire class. And if you've taken any of my online classes with me in the past, going back to 2017, email me at ahn show at africanhistorynetwork.com, you'll get 50% off on the classes and the bundle pack also, okay? All right, so this is um, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We posted a link so you can register for the bundle. You can use this information with your children as well. Uh, I would say the content is PG-13. Um, I don't do a lot of cursing. It's not crazy. It's not vulgar, things like that. I don't do that. But it's very visual. And... Um, you know, your children will learn a lot also. All right, look, we have to get out of here. Remember, at the African History Network, you focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring, pe inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Thanks for supporting us for 12 years. If you want to uh, support us through Cash App uh, or PayPal, you can do so. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. And we have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, for those that tuned in late, today is our 12th year anniversary. My 12th year anniversary of broadcasting the African History Network show started on March 10th, 2010. Okay, so it's been 12 years. And uh, we have the information here. So this is our official cash app account, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. When you go to it, it says Michael and shows my picture there. These other ones here are fake African History Network cash app accounts. I did not set those up. Okay, and we have the link here and the uh, PayPal uh, donate button. So I'm still trying to get those fake ones shut down. All right, so we have to get out of here. I'll be on uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Download the uh, Black Star Media app to your smartphones, to your Roku device. Uh, follow Roland on Facebook and YouTube. Roland Martin on Facebook and YouTube. You can watch the show there as well and on the Black Star Media app. And uh, we'll talk about it on Sunday show. Uh, yeah, this is our tw uh, 12th year anniversary. I started out... Uh, 
on the Harambe Radio Network in uh, 2010 and with the Blog Talk Radio. And we still upload our audio podcast to our Blog Talk Radio show also, okay? Uh, so we have over 1,000 um, episodes of the show. When you go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com and click on Listen to uh, Podcast, it takes you to our Blog Talk Radio show. And um, we have over a thousand podcasts going back to 2010 archive there. Okay. I've got, and um, I have some, the so the the oldest podcast we have, I have there goes back to um, July of 2010, but I have some even before then I just have to find them. They're archived somewhere. Um, I have some before then from, because um, I remember one of my first interviews, well, my very first interview, my first guest March 10th uh, was uh, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, my teacher, uh, one of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries. He was my first guest, but I had um, Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay. In 2010, he was one of my very first interviews. Professor Kabahai Wampa Kamene, who was Booker T. Coleman back then, uh, was one of my early interviews in 2010 also. One of my teachers, uh, uh, Professor Kaba. All right, so it's been a uh, busy 12 years. It's going by quickly, <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay, guys, look, we have to get out of here. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Peace. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, it's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with real estate note investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, 
They typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing, and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition, and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. The Business Scaling Challenge is a seven-day online event that is taking place the week of March 13th through March 19th, 2022. This challenge will guide a group of business owners through scaling their businesses. Business owner Ronnie Sumler is hosting the Business Scaling Challenge in remembrance and honor of her father, the late civil rights activist Rodney Sumler. He helped a lot of African-American-owned businesses and local community leaders participate in politics. However, when he passed away, all of his ventures died with him. This inspired his daughter, Ronnie Sumler, to help community business owners preserve their businesses. Her business, Digital Dandelions, offers business Bibles to record business processes and procedures. Their business Bibles are their branded run-of-show business manuals that have everything you need to run your business in one place. Their business scaling kit is the first step in creating a business Bible. It includes everything needed to grow your business in one place. Join the Business Scaling Challenge Facebook group for more information and good luck in scaling your business. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read eBooks listen to audiobooks and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today.